There she is, Captain. Isn't she a beauty? Yes, she is, Mr. Scott. Is she ready to go? Aisa, she's ready to go to the stars. This is the 300th episode of the Tri-Tech Games Podcast. It's mission to seek out new ideas, find new games, and to boldly bring the awesome to your game. Mr. Scott, Warp 9. Aye, Captain. And now, our host. This is Bruce. This is John. This is Trav. This is Tixie. And this is Rich. Welcome to the TriTac Games Podcast, your podcast of finding out that bad things have happened to your family and everybody's pulling their weight to get it taken care of. If you kids don't put that demonic skull away, I'm going to turn this Varvy around and go back home. But what do you mean I can't summon dead rock stars until I'm 16 years old? He just died last week. Leave him alone. Get him to have time to happen in heaven, okay? Bowie needs some time alone. <laughs> Welcome to TriTech Games Podcast. We are this week doing a Bureau 13 special where we're, you know, trying to push the envelope on your game concepts. Now, Bureau 13 is usually played by people who are in their late teens through, you know, their late, uh, you know, 90s. And uh, so they're, um, you know, the characters in the games tend to be people who are of age and for all sorts of reasons that we'll go into. Uh, But it is possible to play the game uh, where the team is actually a family, a family that has chosen to uh, unite as a group and make themselves available to the Bureau as a full-fledged team. Now, we'll we'll talk about what it would take for them all to be accepted uh, as a team rather than saying, well, we'll take two of you, but the other ones, they got to wait. So so let's go back and and talk about again this family that's decided that their kids are going to be part of the bureau. What kind of a training regimen are they going to give these children before they actually get to them to the point where they're going to send them off to um uh you know to, to uh Semtech. You mean Bangor Maine? Bangor Maine, yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Uh I okay. Let's see, uh, pre-Bureau Agent training, I would say some computer skills, some... Yeah. Uh, eight, nine, ten. Okay, well... Um, yeah. um, you could start these things... But Bruce, you have a mutant who's incredibly bright. <laughs> Um, it really, it, <laughs> yeah, it yeah. really depends on the kid when you yeah. would start it. Yeah. No. Well, the bureau most kids could understand, could theoretically understand how to operate a computer by like five or six. Yeah. I mean, I learned. I was reading by the time I was three. Oh yeah, same here. I was, you know, each but, kid is going to be different. I was reading and comprehending Reader's Digest at age six. In a general sense, though, most kids are going to be able to understand how to work that stuff around six. Yeah. Um, so you would you would start the basic stuff yeah. then and get more advanced as time goes on. Okay, well, let's see. What else besides some modicum of computer skills? Uh, oh, well, uh, I, def- I, I would definitely enroll them into a... Uh, well, kitty uh, karate, kitty judo, something, something, some sort of martial art training. Oh yeah, 
Oh yes. yeah, something, that any any type do. of fighting and fitness class. Uh, Actually, they want to be best suited for kids. A keto. No, I I disagree. You no. disagree with keto? Keto's good, but it's not as good as Taido, because that's the one my kid took. Taido is is a is a, a relatively new form of martial arts. It's only been around about 20, 20 some years, uh, and it was developed. You know, to be a modern form of, um, of of martial arts, and it's it's designed to be three dimensional. It has a lot of rolling, a lot of acrobatics, um, a lot of three uh, three dimensional awareness. Uh, it does have the punches and the kicks and all that stuff like that, and the blocks and everything. But I'm just saying, is it it's real? It really builds the flexibility and the strength. Um, I mean, we we had some kids in the class that they couldn't have been any older than eight. And these kids, you'd swear they were ping pong balls because they, I mean, they were bouncing through the air 10 feet at a time, bouncing off walls, being, as I was saying, being thrown around by the, by the older, uh, older students, you know, <laughs> toss, being tossed and loving it. So, you know, yeah. Uh, uh, and, and that was at eight. Okay. So they started when they were like six or so. Okay, so some type of fitness. If you've seen the video on my timeline called um, Exercise Mom, you can see the little baby exercising with mom as as best as he can because mom's always exercising. He wants to do it too. Oh, I saw that one, yeah. Yeah, So (laughs) kids will be as active as you let them. You know, Um, I would highly recommend that you start them off with swimming. Yeah, okay, Josie, real quick. Yeah, the whole fitness thing, that can be started uh, then, too. I know in the Taekwondo class I was in, a couple of those kids couldn't, they were, she was, this one girl was not more than maybe maybe like six, seven at the most, and she kept up. Yeah, getting kids into a fitness regimen and then build it into, because you want their bodies to be able to handle later fighting classes, but just fitness in general, because bureau agents have to be pretty fit to do the job. So fitness leading into some type of combat art. Getting them into that early. Yeah. Which, like the baby with... And swimming does help. Swimming swimming does help. The big advantage of swimming is, well, there's a lot of advantages of swimming, but a couple of First of all, Drown proofing. Okay, you can never be too young to be to be drown proofed. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Secondly, is is that you uh, cannot overheat yourself in swimming. Yeah. Okay. I mean, basically, when you you swim until you're tired, and then you stop. Okay, <laughs> and then you rest, and you do it some more. It, you never have to worry about some of the problems they have, like the kids who get into baseball or other things where they mess up their joints and stuff. No one's ever messed up their joints swimming. Okay. Um, also, um, it's as you said, it's great for developing endurance. It's great for developing uh, flexibility with the flips and and uh, you know swimming. It's good for developing lung capacity for holding their breath, which is really important because of gas attacks and things like that that are being used by the agents. So basically, you run into the race ban in school of exercise and self-defense. All right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, if, if, if that was ever really well defined, probably, yeah. But I'm just saying the first thing I would start them off with would be a lot of swimming. So uh, definitely, uh, you know, the, the, the Bureau 13 family is going to have themselves a, a, probably an Olympic-sized pool. Yeah. I, I'll be honest to say, if, if, I had to go, uh, if I had to fight hand-to-hand with Johnny Quest, at the age he is in the show, which is 11, uh, he probably would beat me up. Because <laughs> he's been trained, he's been that well trained. Yeah, I don't know about that. Okay, but but like one of the reasons I was suggesting the Taido and stuff is that if you get into a situation where there's hand to hand combat, you want the kid to know how to block because you want the kid, you want to tell that kid if you ever get into a hand a hand to hand combat situation, you block and get yourself out of there. You do not stay and fight. Because again, you want to protect your child, so you know you're not trying to teach your, turn your kid into you know uh, a a ninja warrior. Not at that age. You just want them to be able to 
defend and get out of there. Yeah. yeah. More which advanced also, combat is going to be in... Makes that, which also makes those things the perfect way to teach them that because their instructor, the instructors usually stress the point of it being to protect yourself. Yeah. Yep. So they learn... It's it's reinforced not just from the parents end but from the instructor that that they're under as well that it's not for straight up. Yeah, you're not going. You are not. not We're not training you to go toe to toe. We're training you to stay alive long enough to to get away. You're training you to defend yourself, not deep people up. And if Sensei says it's not right to kick a guy between the legs, don't listen to Sensei. (laughs) (laughs) Kick him between the legs. (laughs) How about knife fighting? Knife or knife? There's an awful lot of supernatural that has claw and tooth. Kendo. I've seen Kendo's... Actually, I would take him to Kendo. Because I've yeah. seen eight-year-olds and five-year-olds in kendo. Yeah, I wouldn't teach them knife fighting. I'd teach them proper kendo. But then I would turn around and say, "Okay, now you learn kendo. Here's the SCA." Well, yeah, but those—that's—I'm that's, sorry, but that's weak sauce compared to what these kids need to know. No offense to people in the SCA, but I'm just saying is that what you do is great, but you're—it's a fight where this based on the honor system. Where the other person agrees that he got hurt. Yeah, that's true. I'm going to totally disagree with you, Bruce. These these kids, the second generation of ska, are the first fully trained knights we've had in 500 years, and they are. If you watch them, oh my God, they are powerful, and they are tougher than nails. Well, good. I'm just saying though, but it's but the SCA fighting is basically where you you try to hit the other guy, and then he has to acknowledge the hit. Okay, so I'm not, I'm not sure that's really going to help the, you know, is going to do the job if you're actually trying to teach somebody to hurt somebody. Well, we did put in the 082 edition that the SCA fighting style has helped a lot of Bureau agents. So, I mean, it's a good start. It's a good start, yeah. Yeah, and so is Kendo. It's a good way to keep your uh, skills and strength up in between missions. Yeah, okay, I, I think at this point, because we're starting to sway toward this system versus that system. Let's just agree on some type of fitness and basic combat training. At what point would you start teaching real combat training to a child? I mean, again, child is anywhere from zero to 18. Well, I mean, I, I took Kung Fu, a form based on Jeet Kune Do called Niwaja for five years from 03 to 08. And I saw five-year-old children in that class. Yeah, I was four years old. I was four year old four years old when my dad started teaching me how to handle a gun. I never shot one until I was ten, but by that time, I knew guns were dangerous. Guns were actually no. Let's do this properly: rifles and pistols, because guns are something else. But rifles and pistols are weapons. They're designed to kill people, and here's how you handle them. And well, I yeah, learned your that from my dad. First to respect them before you even pick them up. Right. Yes. These, yeah. all of these, whatever you put the kid into, all these basic combat classes, they first teach you to protect yourself, not and do it properly do because it properly. even even martial arts, mm-hmm. it's it, never it's never to. Start the fight. You're not if someone comes at you, you finish it. Fight. You're trying to, or you get out of there. One, either yeah. get out of there or finish it. Right. So yeah. you're not going to be teaching these you, kids. You to, first to, teach them how to protect themselves. Then, when you actually teach them what's really going on, and they can understand, when they really understand everything, that's when you teach them how to really fight. Well, yeah. By that time, they're going to be teen to late teen as they're wrapping up that childhood training as before they get to Bangor, Maine. Training, they're going into their teens, then you really want to teach them what's really going on and, and everything about that. Okay. So, okay, so we got fitness and combat. Okay, something else I would want to teach these kids early on if we're trying to prime them as bureau agents? 
civics mm. because it that is one of the skills that we put in Bureau 13G20 as far as the quick template that you put on somebody. Oh, yeah, one of the things that was, let's see, all, arcana, religion, and civics, all three knowledge skills. So civics, just basically how government works, how law works, and then also beginning arcana and religion. In other words, angels, demons, monsters, the concept of magic, how spells work, just basic stuff, legends and whatnot. First, start off with with uh, bedtime stories, all the myth, all the folk tales, especially the ones that are true. Those get started mm-hmm. very, very well. Early. Yeah, but after a while, you're going to start teaching them. Okay, the general. I mean, as you get them older, you can start teaching things like banes, which are in stories, anyways. A lot of the banes that we have a come from the old stories. Come from. Stories, yeah. About cold iron and silver for werewolves and, you know, garlic for vampires. Right. After a while, you start expounding on that more and more. So by the time, as I said, we're, we're trying to find the proper skills so that when this kid, when the parents see him off to go to Bangor, Maine, this kid is going to be about as well-trained and primed to deal with the actual training as they can get. Yeah. So let's see what I mean, else. Yeah, it, when, when they're small, I can just see this now. You know, you go, you play the game called "I'm a monster, find something to stop me," and the kid has to run. And the kid has to run through the house and find various things in the house that could stop that monster. And you know, that would be you know, and that's where that the the you'd reinforce that bane training. Yeah. Yeah. Now, now remember this. All fall, in most games, this falls under. Under, you know, the skill, knowledge, supernatural, knowledge, theology. But how, 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 much, they, how much actual ranks they have in that will totally depend on the system you're playing with. Oh, yeah, yeah, but yeah, yeah. It, That's it breaks down to yeah. two, basically, two, two skills. In fact, in Fate, it would be one called uh, lore, supernatural beings. And that covers everything, including God. Okay, but, fine. <laughs> um, let's see, what else? Let's see, we did computers, fitness, and basic fighting. Civics, supernatural, both arcane and divine. Healthy eating habits. And trust me, that's a good one to teach kids. Well, that's fine. We can, we can, okay, we can lump that in with fitness. Yeah, I would think that nutrition would go there. How about ethics? Oh, yeah. Uh, yes. Okay, ethics would work. You might, we might be able to lump that in with civics, but then again, ethics is more something not so... Legally codified, yeah, just basically good and evil, um, right and wrong. Yeah, yeah. What do I see? A line of Bureau Thirteen ISO, ISO and, and Android games, which are around ethics, and the kid has to successfully navigate through through them to be able to, you know, the I don't know, get get a, this recent allowance or something like that, or something, you know, you get extra, you know, you have to play the you have to play the ethics game again. You know, and it takes you through an entire process of trying to figure out what is right and you know the good good from bad decisions. You know, what it what what is ethically correct and what is uh, legally correct. Because sometimes they don't they don't cross. I'm reminded of the learning dome in the first Abrams Star Trek movie with young Spock there, just rapid fire yeah. all the questions. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Well, I, I was going to say a lot of the dating sims. You know, if you make a if you make a bad decision, it it makes it harder for you to successfully get, do what you're trying to do in the game. Yeah. Hmm. Any of those, any game like that, where making the wrong choice would make things harder work. Theoretically, at least. Yeah. Yeah. But then again, there's a ton of dead Tamagotchis out there and proving most kids weren't good parents. So. <laughs> Never had one, but... My, my daughter had one, yeah. She, 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 had, she did a decent job on it from what I saw when she had it there with me, yeah. yeah. But something, of that con- something under that base concept could work for... Let's see, besides yeah. ethical training... Well, the thing on the ethical training, along with, you know, field trips, because sometimes you need to do a field trip. So, yeah, you know what? This town has got a soup kitchen. 
<laughs> you know, we show you the what you know what what it means to be a caring person. We work the soup kitchen, so sometimes also practical things help out too, so the kid gets to see things. Of course, if when you come to Seattle, you go to Father, Father Murphy's soup kitchen. Uh, some of the people there can only come there at night. Yeah, for various reasons. But other than that, you know, it's a soup kitchen. Yeah, you go to soup kitchens, you see a lot of people that uh, ha- are, you know, they, they are the result of their drug habits. And you say, okay, this is what happens when you take drugs. Okay, these people have lost control. They're not going to get it back. This is their life from now on. This is why you don't do this. So if you ha- if we have to, you know, the drugs that we, we use, we use because there's a reason for it and there's controls. And you don't, you know, and you just don't, you don't use drugs recreationally or such, you know, because, and that's, you've seen people, I mean, because I used to work at a soup kitchen and I'd see the same faces day in, I mean, week after week after week for years. And I'm like, why can't these people, you know, ever get out of this? And the fact is, is that they're addicted. You know, they're either alcoholics or they're drug abusers and there's no job that they could ever get that allowed them to be both. Yep. Yeah. So that's why these people are living in shelters. So, and you know, you feel sorry for them, but in fact, is this is the life they've chosen, and so you need. It's good. It's good to realize that that you, that there are long term consequences to not being in control of your life. But also, it gets them used to talking to those kind of people too, because sometimes it's those people you get the most information on about the giant cockroaches being kidnapping people. Well, that's true. You can tell those, you can tell those people about the giant cockroaches and they'll be like, yeah, man, I know just what you're talking about. <laughs> well, yeah, it, yeah. It does help you interact with, because sometimes the people there out on the streets have oh, the best information. And those people are often in soup kitchens and homeless shelters and all that. They're at the, the people in the soup kitchens, the wide salvation army. Yeah. All those places, they are overlooked by everybody. Yeah, this is something we brought up in my Saturday game, that these people, they see everything, yet nobody sees them. They see everything because no one sees them. Yeah, just like kids, nobody cares that they're there. Yeah, it's it's a plot it's it's a plot point in the adventure of Roach Motel. Yeah, that's right. Oh, gosh, yeah. (laughs) And yeah. having your kids getting used to be, being around the guy who calls up half a long way he's talking to you, you know. <laughs> well, okay. Uh, one thing that I would do is that every child, uh, I would let them pick this, okay, but every child has to take a uh, fabrication skill. Hmm. Hmm. They have to know, be able to build something, whether it be with, you know, whether it be clothing, whether it be, you know, electrical, whether it be, uh, you know, uh, metal or plastic or, or wood you know. or something. They have to be able to const- craft something. You know, uh, it could even be mechanical in the sense that they could put, the, they could put, take a car and put it together. Dad. I want to use the fabricator. Why can't I use the fabricator to make that? <laughs> Back in my day when we were agents, we didn't have fabricators. We had to make our own stuff and be thankful for it. Yeah. Because the last two things that you used used up your allowance. That's why. <laughs> <laughs> that stuff doesn't come cheap. You have to be prepared yeah. for if this... Well, you don't have the fabricator. Out. Yeah. 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 Especially a bureau-built fabricator, which can work with metal properly. Well, I mean, a lot of times it's going to be like, okay, look, you know, what if you're out in the middle of the desert, okay, and your car breaks down and there's a, you know, there's a 1950 Chevy over there on the side. Can you take the engine out of that car and uh, and put it into your car and keep on going? Or are you just stuck there, you know, waiting for the uh, zombie apocalypse to catch up to you? Or do you find a way to make, make his radiator retro, you know, fit your radiator system? That's what I'm saying. I'm not actually talking about lifting the entire engine because probably that wouldn't work. But I'm saying, you know, just like they did on uh, Apollo 13 where they had a whole bunch of pieces and they had to make them fit into something else. Okay, you might say, look, you've got to be able to, you know, make make impromptu repairs. They'll last long enough to get the job done. You know, you don't don't always have all the tools you need. You don't always have all the parts you need. So that's where... 
crafting is important. Yeah, your 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 bureau run flats were shot the heck and back again. But there's a tree, and you have a chainsaw. You can make a t- you can make a wheel that will last long enough from that tree. You can cut you can cut a big chunk of that tree off, tie it to your front left bumper, and you don't need that wheel anymore because that part's not touching the ground. Yeah, make a ski. Yeah. <laughs> well, no, I'm just saying, just go ride on three wheels instead of four. Because you don't need that fourth wheel because you've put a big weight on the on the on the, the opposite side, the counterbalance. Yeah. yeah. If it's not if it's not a non power wheel, you can also replace it with a ski. I mean you can just And that too. And that too. But I'm just saying it's you know it's a lot it's a lot faster, John, to go and take a big weight and tie it to and, and, and attach it to one side of your vehicle and so that you don't actually need that wheel on the other side than to go and try to construct something that can actually support weight. Yeah. I'm just thinking of the of the of the uh Mythbusters episode where they did that, where they said, What can we use to replace a tire? And they used everything from from wood to manhole covers. I would want Every one of my kids to have the ability to craft something, you know, what, whether what, whatever it might need, need to be. I'm, I'm a little hesitant about, you know, letting them craft a computer program because I think they're probably already going to be doing that. I'd rather it be something more in the physical realm because, you know, there's there's something. Well, no, there's just something special about being able to you do something with your own hands. To be able to look at something and go. That's me. Well, this, yeah. it, 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 I guess in a way it'd be a spatial skill that you're actually making a three-dimensional object. But yeah, there are times where you may need to learn how to sew something. Or there may be times you may need to carve or whittle something. Or there may be yeah. times that you have to make the impromptu repairs, like you find this engine on the side of the road and you're going to have to make whatever's there fit to keep your RV going. But only in in like in game, role playing games do people have all those skills. So I'm saying if you're trying to be realistic at all, you'd say pick one area and get good at it. Don't don't try to don't don't piddle in a five different you know uh, areas. You know I mean you can pick up a few things by watching your brothers and sisters. Okay, but I want you to be really good in the area you pick. Yeah, and depending system like in Savage Worlds, you get you you're going to get two edges to start with. If you're lucky, you may get three edges to start with, and you know pick them wisely, and don't use them just to bump up your your attributes. Instead, pick the you know edges wisely, and then realize this you're you're more or less you're picking what your character is going to specialize in when they get older. Yeah. You know, uh, <laughs> well, every t- every team's going to need someone who can you know do various types of of um, uh, of of, of crafting, so I'm just saying that's that's important. If it's crafting, or like you said, engine repair. You you, you become the t- the team mechanic, and you know, yes, you're 12 years old, and you're trying, you're, and you got the hoist out, and you're trying to pull the engine from the RV. He's the one that knows how the thing works. <laughs> I'm 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 hesitant about adding this, but because it's such a time commitment. But it would be really good to go and insist that they each learn how to play a musical instrument. Well, because yeah. there is some magic and whatnot that is dependent on music, or even you know you might learn the music of a particular culture, which might come in handy. Um, or it's a great cover when you're playing a panhandler on the street busking for information. Here's another uh, thing. <laughs> yes, that was what I was thinking. It's probably one of the easiest go-to camouflage surveillance. Um, uh, identities. Here's another thing. Another language. Ooh, yeah. Learn uh, Japanese, German, French, Russian, Spanish, whatever. Because in this world today, being bilingual is, is a plus. Yes. Because we are such a global village now that being just unilingual isn't just, just won't cut it anymore. And I mean, there's plenty of programs that can, you know, they got Rosetta Stone, they got, and with the Bureau, you know that their learning technology is decades beyond how, you know, as far as mnemonic devices and whatnot, you know, the Bureau has all sorts of fast learning techniques. Right. But during their development, you probably want to go the old fashioned way. Yeah. Yeah. 
you know, because you, you basically you need to lay down those brain traces. Yeah, but still, having a second language would be a good thing. I agree. I think that'd be really good. Uh, whether or not everybody, whether or not everyone learns a different language, or or just everybody in your family knows a second language, would be would be good. And Chamber, what, what did he call uh, the ver- versions of advantages or disadvantages in D twenty again? Uh... In D twenty, you've got feats. That's right. Disadvantages are all third party stuff, John. It's all stuff. Yeah, yeah. That, yeah. Yeah. Now in Savage Worlds, you've got edges and you've got flaws. Yeah. Well, edges and hindrances. Yeah. I'm yeah, just thinking because because yeah. I know there is one in Savage Worlds, and that's the linguist edge, where you basically you you're a polyglot. You speak several languages. Well, it, you it's not really that. You, you just based upon the languages that you do know, there's a chance of you being intelligible in whatever languages are related to that language. Oh yeah, basically, I'm looking at folks who who are looking at spending skill points on a language. They're not going to spend much more than a D4 on that language unless it's really important to have that other language. But they'll at least have it at a D4. So kids learning language, and maybe they'll throw some more points at it as they go along. Yeah, I mean, you want to take things like Chinese, you want to take Russian, you want to take, because those are all, you know, languages inside a whole area of languages. And so you run to someone who speaks Czechoslovakian, and you're like, well, yeah, but I know Russian, and I'm a linguist. Okay, so the GM says, all right, so you need to make a skill check to see whether or not you can understand that. Okay, you know, and that's where you, and, and you take the edge for which gave you the extra bennies. I'm reminded well, of the scene in the third season opener, Sherlock. I didn't know you spoke Serbian. Well, it was easy to learn it as a lot of Turkish loan words. I learned it in... <laughs> <laughs> of course, this is Mycroft, but still, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But I was uh, thinking about it because, uh, because I, I forgot to mention the youth hindrance actually gives you an extra Benny. If you also buy, uh, if you get luck, which gives you more Bennies, and this kid's running around with like, you know, instead of starting with, five, with the three Bennies, starting around five Bennies, and if he buys extra luck... He decides to make himself really lucky. He's got six bennies to spend, and bennies are important in the ga- in this game. And here's a kid running around with six bennies. Yeah, he may he may not be combat savvy, but he can definitely reroll and and take damage because that's what bennies do. Let <laughs> you soak. Yeah. Well, is there any other skill areas that I, we haven't talked about? I'm hesitant because this sounds very Heimlinistic, but you know. I mean, because they are going to be dealing with, well, situations. And the sooner you get used to situations, and I'm going to say situations, as in teach them how, this, I guess it sounds very much like Heinlein. You teach them how to um, gut a pig or something. Or you take them or how, basically something where, you know, they're going to have to actually take a knife and cut something open. And something that wasn't, Pickled and put into into a jar for dissection later on. We're talking like a deer or something like that. Yeah. So the kid gets used to the fact too that they're going to be viscera and things happening around. Yeah. Them okay. I like. That. I think that's all part of weapon training. Yeah, I think yeah. that count. You no, know, you you do you do weapon train, but then you take them out and hunt, and then they and then they see the result of of, of a bullet actually hitting something. Wilderness skills. There's something they should learn. Yeah. Oh, survival. Skills, being out in the forest, how to get clean water, how to forage for food if you're lost in the wilderness somewhere. Now, I know that's in the Boy Scouts because I was a Cub Scout eons ago. I wasn't even in there, and I know that stuff is in what they learn. Basic survival training. You can teach kids that on their way to Bureau agentdom. Yeah. This is, there again comes the comes the uh, Bureau Thirteen, uh, you know, Ghost Scouts. I don't know, uh, <laughs> you know, run by uh, by uh, Ray's uh, daughter. Well, Ray's daughter is is what who's taking over for Ray. Ray would be available to be the teacher in these classes you're talking about because he's retired. He's basically, you know, he, he's now the Emetrius. You know, uh, <laughs> she's the one running the show. Yeah, he still comes up and he plays in the lab and so forth. You know. Okay, what was that, Pixie? Here's something. Okay, I never went into the 
the Girl Scouts never really wanted to, but I know there's different troops, basically. There's different little groups of them. This could just be another part. Could just be a group of them. I'm not getting what you're talking about. If yeah, everything we've been talking about is, She is just every, everything we've been talking about is dealing with multiple kids. Yeah. If you're dealing with multiple kids you need to get them ready. Right. This could be just put them in a Boy Scout troop together. Right? That way you have kids that basically understand what's going on and Well, you're saying like sort of a lump sum training course, just make it mandatory that they go into scouting so they learn the survival, they learn the first aid, they They learn the Ghost Scouts. They joined the Ghost Scouts. Yeah, basically what what John is saying. Something like that set up, yeah. Put them through that. Basically to teach kids that are being raised in the Bureau way, yeah, have something fun like that and... Again, Ghost Scouts that we're doing we're doing the dogma thing here like George Carlin. This isn't an official name, just something we're kicking about the office. But yeah, yeah, yeah. some type of I guess bureau kids auxiliary for lack of a better term, where you're already teaching them these basic skills to prime them to be lifelong agents. I, I think you should call it uh spooks. Special personnel are kids. There you go. I like that one. The spooks. Okay, good. Yeah. That's that's better. All right, then. And it has that whole secret agent mystique thing in there, too. Oh, yeah. Okay, so there you go, listeners. <laughs> that's, that's how the kids are going to learn all these little tricks of the trade before they become agents. The parents so- enroll their kids in the spooks. They learn all these skills besides the homeschooling. So you're having these... Children of bureau agents primed to become the next generation of bureau agents as at age sixteen, instead of becoming like an Eagle Scout, you go to Bangor, Maine. Because evil is growing, going, going, going. Yeah. So I'm thinking of uh, that. That just that just sets up an adventure. So there, here, you know, here's team, here's team. Um, let's call them, you know, uh, Bagel and Locks. Team Bagel and Locks, they're, they're they've had a bad time and they're on recuperation. But they said, well, we're going to give you an easy, an easy, easy uh, job to do. We need you to be uh, scoutmasters for for the for for this one uh, troop of spooks and take them out, you know, on a little on a little field trip. And that's the adventure. Because you, because because you got a bunch of eight-year-olds, ten-year-olds, twelve-year-olds, and that's of course when you find the crash alien spaceship out in the forest, and now you got to oh. deal with the kids who want to get in there and do it, and get in there. Hmm. Or they find the giant mutant duck. One or the other, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they get in the crashed alien spaceship, and it takes off, and it goes flying out, and they're frankly trying to figure out how to make the communication controls because they know that there's that that the moon ba- the moon base on the moon has weather makers, the big ones that are designed to take out alien spacecraft that are flying around unauthorized. Yeah, that's that's the crashed spaceship in the forest. Well, it could be why it happened, or it could be other reasons. But the point is, you go up into space in near Earth orbit, you know, uh, and the uh, the weather makers are going to start targeting you. Yeah, and if you haven't figured out how to turn on the uh, the stealth, which doesn't work against the base because they have other means of spotting you, you're visible to NORAD and the Russians and the Chinese and everyone else who's got telescopes or radars pointing upwards looking at the skies. Yeah, but it's a big it's a big sky, so yeah. <laughs> it's a big sky but and yeah, lots it, of people are looking at it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, but you know, it doesn't have to be a spaceship. Like I say, it could be a, you know, you run into Sasqu- uh, you run into a ticked off Sasquatch. 
you know, or something like that. It, it, it's, an, it's an adventure the kid, where the, you as the adults now have to deal with the kids. And, yes, you can actually do this like a one-shot you want to and have some of the players play the kids. Yeah. And, of course, the kids, of course, they'll all be Dennis the Menaces and, you know, get into trouble. But, you know, uh, or Dennis the Menace, that's which is really dated me. What's this, is there any good modern-day bad kid? That some of our listeners would know about. Mostly, we are we should be talking about the uh, the Winchester brothers. Supernatural. They have flashbacks to when the 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 the, the two the older boy was a kid, and he knew what his dad did for a living, and he was pretty highly trained, and so there were times when he would get involved in stuff. Ah, I see. Okay. And he was a pretty much of a bad boy. Oh, John, the look you got from Josie when you're the Winchesters, who are they? Josie had that look like I'm gonna throw it. How does he not I'm know? Sorry. <laughs> I've I only seen one or two episodes of Supernatural, and unfortunately I didn't spin my propeller. Sorry. Oh, John, John. You know, you don't Don't lose our audience, please. <laughs> Okay, um, now I do want to mention something that I do think that there's a, uh, because of the socialization issue, probably high school, they should attend a a real high school. Yep. Okay, that's age 14 to 18. That is really your prime socialization age. So, uh, and they would have the, and these kids would have the physicality and the smarts and the discretion to be able to handle themselves in a high school setting. So I, I think that would probably be a good thing for them to be involved in that. The, the the campaign would start smacking of either like a mutant high where you have oh my god Josie is a um a a, a witch or Bobby is a telepath or it's going to end up being like Ninja High School. Well, I, I you know, but I'm just saying is it it's it, it does make sense that that because of the socialization issue that that the that the older kids would attend a real high school. Yeah. Or it ends up being basically that girl Bella. She's going out with a vampire. Let's take him. Okay. And and that series never happens uh, at that point. Oh. Um <laughs> now well, we're talking normal high school, or is it gonna be some type of high school again that's bureau back to deal? specifically with perspective. It would never be a normal high school. I, I, I think it would be a normal high school. I think they would just go to their local high school, wherever it is that they live. Well, yeah. let's see. High school age? Yeah, it's yeah, 14 at that point, 18, yeah. At that point, you could have taught them the... You could have taught them how to be discreet. Yeah. Discretion. So they would be able to keep all the spooky stuff hidden. Well, I mean, at the most, I mean, yeah, well, then that means then if they're going to a normal high school four years, then, yeah, they wouldn't be joining Banger Maine until 18. Well, they still could do that. That's that year in a day thing. Yeah. I mean, everybody has summer break, you know. Yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm seeing yeah. them going, now, re- now remember, remember Joe, just because you can take that bully down in a, in a leg hold and knock him unconscious, don't. <laughs> well, that would be kind of a that would also be kind of a proof test for the parents to see how well they these kids have learned about how to be discreet. Because if they can't walk away from a fight, you know, then then they're not going to be a good Bureau Thirteen agent either. Yeah, or not not show off their hands, so to speak. I'm thinking of Dash from The Incredibles at at the at the at the at the, at the race, where they're going, no, no, fast, fast, no, no, not so slow, fast, fast. Basically, you, he's better trained. He's better. He's better trained. He already knows more tactics than the than the quarterback does in the team he's playing on. You know, don't outshine the normals. Right. Yeah, I, I see what John's getting at. I see what John's getting <laughs> yeah. at. The fact that we have. These kids who already just from being in the spooks and having parents who are highly trained secret agents that they're going to pretty much smoke past their peers. You would have to have all of these kids in advanced classes, AP classes, college prep classes. 
because they're already going to be that level. They're already going to be mm-hmm. where they're going to be smarter, more knowledgeable, better tacticians. As, as I said, you know, they'll mm-hmm. be able to defend themselves better. You're going to have to have them all at the higher end of the education scale. <laughs> I mean, half this kids, some of those kids be able to test out of high school. I mean, they could. Well, if they you could, know. then fine. Then you could just. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, te- maybe test out for a higher grade, a higher grade level. Maybe you know, skip a grade. To- yeah, maybe. Yeah. The whole point. The whole point of it is to allow these kids an opportunity to prove to themselves that they can be normal kids, that they actually can have a future that doesn't involve having to marry the bride of Frankenstein. Yeah. Even though she's kind of cute. Well, the thing is with that is that, yeah, it, it at the. I hate to say this at the most, go them going to high school and dealing with their peers. They're oh, good. Get annoyed very quickly. Well, no, not just that. When you're a bureau agent, you deal with the supernatural. You find out you no longer can relate to normal people. You can't talk to them about what you do. You can't interact with them because it's the whole. So- I've seen what's out there and what's real, and these people who have to be kept blinded to this truth, I can't talk to them. You know what the high school socialization does? Helps you fake it for a little while until you get back among your own kind. That's the most that the socialization can do. Actually, these kids will have already learned key socialization uh, not being, not being uh, in like the spooks and everything. We're talking dealing with the normals, the mundanes, the muggles, people. whatever you want to call it. Yeah. Dealing with normal people, it'll, it'll show them why and how to keep it hidden, why it has to be hidden from them, and yeah, how to do that, so. That, it, fake That's it. what you're really learning there, because you've already learned how to socialize with people oh the like-minded people yeah what you're really doing with this four years of high school or however many years they end up staying there if the high school allows you to skip a grade or whatever or not some of them do some of them don't yeah you probably don't want them to i'm not making a, a, this point very clearly okay the whole point of the of, of the high school okay is for them to connect with the very people that they're going to be trying to protect, you need to give make you need to give them an opportunity to find value in those norms, you know, in those people that that the 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 the, the, the sleepwalkers, the people who don't know the truth, just see them and 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 still care about them and not just pity them, okay, and not just dismiss them as being idiots. You want them to make a connection because you know you want. You want their loyalty. You want them to continue to to work for the Bureau and to work for the betterment of the United States and for the culture in which they're in. You, you want them connected. They need to be connected. Otherwise, you're going to end up with these agents that become very insular, sterile, and, you know, go out, kill things, and go back and play video games the rest of their lives. If you're going to be in a place for a while, hey, you join a Habitat for Humanity and have the kids help build a house for people. And that means they're going to definitely be working with normals at that point. You expose the kids throughout their life to normal people. You know, but yes, they do spend the times with the spooks, with other people who basically they can talk to. But, you all, but don't neglect the fact that they need to, they need to be with real people during, during their, their child life. I mean, the, the problem, I can see what high school is. You know... Joe brings, you know, Tammy Lou back from high school to show, and shows off the RV. I mean, it's going to happen, you know. No, that's where, you, that, that's where you're testing them to see whether or not they have the ability to keep quiet things quiet. Okay. And if they do that, then, yeah, they get yanked from that high school. They should be smart enough to know. You warn them before they go. If you ever show Tammy Lou, you know, the secret compartments inside the RV – you're, we will be. We will move. We will be out of this state. Yeah, yeah. You will never see and, your schoolmates again. Yeah. yeah. And, and your and your first name will be Rufus. <laughs> 
He's not going to walk into there, you know, uh, hang, you know, brimming with secret spy gadgetry on him. No, it. no. At least you uh-huh. hope not. Well, again, that's that would be kind of part of the test. I get what you're getting at now. Throughout their early life, you've had them do all this stuff. You probably had them interact with normal people, but this four years of high school is really their test. Their test without anybody else around. Can you handle? Okay, this? we've taught them for like eight years, from ages six to fourteen. You are going to be brought into a very unique life. You have to associate with people who do not know the stuff you know, and you still have to basically lie to them and be nice about it. But throughout all, throughout these eight years or whatever, they've had somebody. They've always had somebody watching to make sure they don't slip up. Right? Yeah. This, they're on their own at this point. Yeah. They have to keep themselves in line. So, so I think uh, the, so. I think the main question here is: you as a GM, do you hand wave the high school years, or do you pick periods in the high in the high school years and and role play them out? I mean, you know, this is a you know, I can see some James going. Oh, I I don't know about running high schools and like and I still want to do missions. There you go, you know, juggling the family. I mean, okay, mom and dad's got to go on a mission, and you got to test tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, well, nobody's going to want to play this kind of a situation unless they really want to get into the characters. And if they want to get into the characters, they want to get into the characters' backstory. Big this characterization in this, in this type of campaign arc. Because I'm saying yeah. if you're raising this kid, okay, we have this kid, and they start at a playable age. And they've gone through the adventures with the spooks. And they've gone through the, they're going through the adventures with the high school. Then they get their bureau, their banger main training, and now they're a full-fledged agent. First of all, you're looking at a longitudinal campaign. This would take years of game time. Yeah. And just to have a character like that, you're looking to commit a lot to this one character who started as an elementary school kid Mm-hmm. His entire backstory to becoming a lifelong bureau agent. Yep. You're looking to really put some characterization in. Hack it, if you're just a hack and slash gamer, not that we have anything against hack and slash gamers. Nope. If you're a hack and slash gamer, this is not going to be the campaign for you because you're going you're you're going to be wanting to role play every little nuance of this particular young person as they're coming of ages in the next generation of bureau thirteen agents. And also, I think it depends on how much, how, how fast the GM wants to age the kids. This could be a multi-year campaign. This could be a year-long campaign. And you know, in every game, you're a year older. You know, and we're just hitting the highlights. So yeah, we're building the background. Or this is going to be yeah. Every year is a year in game. Yeah, because ultimately the idea is that when you're done with this, you're going to have an entire family that's that's a team in the bureau. So. You know, you're talking at least, you know, two parents plus, you know, maybe four kids that are, you know, making a total of six, you know, in, in, as a family team. So, you know, it's that that's going to take a, at least some amount of t- time and you're going to want to, you know, create some situations where the, 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 the kids have to show their stuff, you know, show their good sense or whatever, you know. And and it's okay, and and maybe you know you can have some failures as long as you know they're not you know you know uh, they're what it was the term in, in Catholicism they're venial not uh, mortal sins yeah yeah or or there's the other point of view the GMA go I don't want to do all those grow up things I want to keep the kids twelve years old for the entire campaign so basically you're playing Johnny Quest at that point. So that's, that's another totally, that's another totally valid way of doing it. Yeah. You know, it is, it's, it's whatever the players want. Right. Yeah. 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 So, so you want to do Johnny quest only you, you're going after supernatural. There you go. You know, the kids never get older you, or they do, but it takes a while for them to get older. That's yeah. probably more venture brothers than Johnny quest. Uh, in fact, in fact, I think most of them will end up turning into Johnny into venture brothers instead of Johnny quest. I think, uh, <laughs> Yeah, they start out as Johnny Quest. They turn into Venture Brothers toward the end. 
Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. But yeah, I mean, that's yeah, episodic play is perfectly valid, you know, the, the, as just as, as playing long term, you know, you know, campaigns. It's really what you want to do. And so you'd want a group of players who want who who you say, okay, we're going to advance, you know, this thing six months, uh, and your next adventure is going to take place in six months. You've been having other your parents have been having other adventures during this, but it's now six months later, and this is the adventure we're going to run. So you guys need to fill in your backstories on the things that have been happening to your you know to your characters as they've been growing. And then you know deal and and you know deal with what you've learned about the supernatural, what things you might you know. I mean, it's that I'm saying this is where having people who love to do backstory, you know, and of course give them experience for it, you know, give them edges, you know, whatever it might be, depending upon what your game system is. So ultimately, when these kids finally become of age, you know, they will be the equivalent of a, of advanced characters. They're not going to be fledgling characters because they've been growing up in it. They, they literally, you know, they, they've been learning at, at age eight what some Bureau th- 13 guys and women learned when they first came into the Bureau. So, yeah, there's no reason why when they finally become of age, they wouldn't be advanced characters. Yeah. And one thing I wouldn't do is try to, how can I put this, try not to have them hit what a standard starting character looks like when they hit of age. It's perfectly acceptable for them to be smarter and better skilled than a standard starting character would be. Yeah. Because they've been through this stuff, you know. So, yeah, yeah, but uh, I'm, I guess I'm paraphrasing. I do that a lot. But, yeah, yeah. so, yeah, so instead of, you know, talking from Savage Worlds, it means that you don't have to worry about them not having 15 skill points. They can have 20 or 25 by the time they hit 18 because of all the adventures they've had. They could be really, you know, we, we could talk and they start out as, as novice characters, when they hit eighteen, they're seasoned veterans. You know, I mean, in terms of the of the of the progression of the game, and you know, and when they and they become adults, and bang, you know, they may lose they'll lose the Benny they get from being kids, but they have characters who can you know, you know, kick Satan's butt, so metaphorically speaking. And remember that in most states, uh, you can become an emancipated adult at age sixteen. Yeah. Which means that you are legally an adult, so and therefore not under your parents, whatever. So you could theoretically have a sixteen-year-old, you know, adult character who can, you know, who has who can, can do every who can do everything you said, vote uh, or, or drink, you know, <laughs> legally, you know. Which of course most can't drink until they're twenty-one, anyways. Now, uh, so I'm just saying though, is it so if you want to have somebody who got to be age. 16 and he's in high she, she's in high school and says you know enough of this you know I, I, I want to start I want to start my career now and so she goes and gets herself you know legally uh, announces an emancipated adult and then sh- and says okay you know call, uh, calls the Bureau Central and says I'm ready for my training now doesn't matter what my parents say I'm an emancipated adult I want in bring me in and then that's what happens so, you know, because the Bureau's not going to say no if this person is as, as trained as we're suggesting that they would be. Yeah, if they've already put the effort in, Yeah, they're not exactly going to say no once that person can decide on their own. I mean, this is very similar to people who used to, like, you know, run off and join the Navy. I mean, it happens. You know, people sometimes get to a point in their life and they say, you know, I'm tired of all this. I want to get on with my life. I want to be an adult. I want to be my own person. It's time for me to leave. And if that's the case, they may no longer, they would may not want to be part of the family team because, you know, mom and dad have been over, you know, been leaning over them their entire lives. So maybe they, you know, maybe they're going to want to go off and be on another team for a couple of years. That's also okay. You know, that, but that, that's why you have, that's why I was suggesting that you have a lot of kids because then you've got spares for the the from the for the drama of the of the team. So if one kid decides to go off and do this, you still have other people kids on the wings who can move into those positions to finally fill out that fully fledged family team. Yeah. And and, and of course we're talking players, so I, I I can see people actually this is I had one thought I mentioned to Richard. This is also a great way sometimes to have a family play a family. 
That is Bruce. You and your you and your son and your and doesn't Beth also uh, play on occasion? Uh, let's say yes. Okay, imagine she did. It'd be a great it'd be a great way for for Jim to go. Well, why don't you guys just simply play a team? You know, maybe the same age, maybe a little bit older, and as a family, and you play as a family. So you had the already get the family dynamic going at that point. You know. If you got a good one, then that could be fun. You find out pretty quickly if you have a good one in a game like this, yeah. <laughs> well, after my son decided I wasn't a total idiot, you know, that, that dynamic got a lot better. But it, it, is, it is a way. And we did mention other games out there, too. We did mention Fringeworthy, and we did mention uh, things like um, Weird, Zo- Weird Zone and... Um, even Hardware Engine Land, you can do a Hardware Engine Land game with everyone in the family car and makes a sharp left. Now you're in someplace else. And you all become like a family, uh, um, you know, air, 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 well, a scavengers or Airbus team, you know, Airbus business. Or uh, in Fringeworthy, obviously there can be a, a, a whole family team kind of thing going on there. And uh, so, yeah, and and uh, I, I, as I mentioned at the very beginning, to me it made a lot of sense that one of your core groups would be a family in uh, Weird Zone because the house is moving; it belongs to somebody, okay? And probably the and and there's a good chance that the family is there. Hopefully, the entire family is there. Otherwise, you're gonna you know lose members, and that's gonna be a heartache. But maybe that's important too to be part of the game. So I'm just saying there's opportunities for people to play families in the TriTag games, but you know it's, it's quite a challenge to do it for Bureau 13 due to its secretive and very dangerous nature, but it can be done. Yeah. I mean, I had my, uh, my Weird Zone players encounter an apartment tenement that had been sucked up. There were several families in those buildings when they got sucked up into the Weird Zone. So yeah, it's it's there's plenty you have plenty of cases for having families and stuff like that um in all our games. You know, every every including from the entire family they were abducted by the uh the the, the slavers in, in incursion to um uh to like we said, um uh, weird zone where you're you're at home, your kids are playing a game, it's lightning outside and all of a sudden the power goes out. And it's weird gray stuff outside. And you gotta deal with it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Of course, we didn't talk about non-traditional families either. You know, I mean, the, you know, we we mentioned before Johnny Quest. You have you know the father, two uh, one adopted son, one son of his own, uh, one son. He's a widower, and let's call him an uncle because uh, we don't want to go into the other head canon that people have for the relationship between Bruce Bannon and uh, Doctor Quest. Uh, <laughs> Well, he, he's he's doctor. He's one of Doctor Quest's employees. Yeah. No, actually, no, he isn't. He works for the OSI. He works for the OSI. No, yeah, I do say so because that's uh, that's actually part of the canon. I'm a I'm a giant I'm a giant Quest fan. Uh, he doesn't actually work. Yeah, but uh, of course, I look at and say OSI. Yeah, he works for the bureau. Because see what he's run into. He works for the bureau. <laughs> You know, he's he's the guy who taught Ray Robinson everything he knows about making weird stuff, weird science stuff. Yeah, but it's a it's a non-standard family. Well, that's and I also mentioned that if you wanted to do this, you might end up, um, you know, uh, uh, also as part of of the. Let's say you're going, uh, you're a, a husband and wife who's out there on missions, and you run into a lot of families that become orphans because their parents get eaten by something well you can take those kids in and adopt them and that may be how you become a, a family team because you, be, you you pull in all these kids from these various missions that you're on and they become your family the woman the, the mother doesn't have to produce eight kids of her own i mean you can get them yeah. other ways yeah and we're all yeah and also we're assuming you know when we say family i mean you also have the situation of you got a husband and wife, the lazy layabout brother-in-law on the mother wife's side, and the guy and the guy's brother and his wife all basically, you know, have a supernatural encounter. It's a family still. 
It's just not the same kind of family we've been talking about. Okay, now we're talking about uh, National Lampoon Christmas. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, um, I think we've thoroughly gone through this topic. Uh, I hope that uh, people give it a shot and, and uh, try it out and let us know how it works. Uh, and, you know, and you know, I'm sure there's... Uh, uh, something that you could post onto Facebook or, uh, or Google Plus or many of the other boards that TriTech Games supports. We hope that you will do all these suggestions that we do, we suggest. Not necessarily all of them individually, but the, speaking of the body of listeners we have, we hope that one of you will try each and every thing that we suggested over these years and let us know how all these things worked out because your improvements in play make us have better products and we would uh, we would be glad to incorporate that into the next edition of bureau 13 anyways uh so thanks for a lot for listening to us and we'll have more for you next week but until then this is bruce sheffer saying there are a million million worlds out there so go explore them this is john ryer saying keep your powder dry and keep those cards and letters coming in this is blix don't hate the game, hate the players. This is Richard Tahoka. Wait, you see what's coming next. And this is Trav. There's a reason why it's called gaming. It's for having fun. Yo, brothers. This was the TriTech Games Podcast. You know the drill. It's protected under the Creative Commons License 3.0. No commercial reproduction, no derivatives, and sucker. You best attribute this to the folks at TriTech Games. And if you don't, we'll be after your sorry butts. Cause we're some bad mothers. Hi, this is Trav from the Travcast. Listen to me Tuesday nights, 8 to 10 p.m. Eastern on listen.dementiaradio.org colon 8027.